talking about. Yeah. So you you were you were saying about um, the government kind of forcing companies to put put uh, solutions in place. I believe it just um, Biden just signed something into place. I haven't gotten a chance to kind of look into it, but ultimately, huh? What's up? I, I think it was tied into the infrastructure bill, but but what I ultimately think is going to happen down the line is that because I, I know this is what what's being done in in Europe, mm-hmm. and they have a list of um, companies who've been I think who have who are on some kind of potential breach list. And then the critical infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have a list. And if that company gets hit with with some kind of, you know, breach, virus, malware, whatever, they're gonna compare the company to their list and then they're gonna ultimately find the company. Like, hey, look, you knew you had this, you knew you had some kind of vulnerability in place. So what I think is gonna happen eventually i don't know when but i think they're going to start doing that here in the u.s like certain companies if you get breached you're going to get fined because they're starting to look at you know people's data as important it's important like it doesn't matter if it's your cell phone number social security number that's all sensitive information so companies that don't have solution in place i believe they're gonna kind of sign something into place where they're gonna start getting fined. And these are these are these yeah. Yeah. On the money, IT professional. As if we're not that important, we cannot save them money. That'd be yeah. a long term argument. Right. Yeah. That's the typical question how you pick or other your professional people in your career in the other company, even in the overseas, what how they have done that. That four factor like you were talking about just now because mm-hmm. one cybersecurity is not only the money-making situation right now we are talking today, but it's also a vital issue, not only for corporations, but for regular people alike as well. Because you have all these cyber attacks going on, people taking the identity and alluding at the other back. Well, how much money other Yeah, man. Yes. And to answer your question about fellow cybersecurity people, by having a YouTube channel, I've been speaking to a lot of people. I work with people in Australia, Canada and uh, some folks in Zambia in Southern Africa. And the one thing that I've seen that is consistent is cybersecurity is being taken seriously by larger organizations, uh, government entities are usually uh, on that list because they're worried about other nation state actors. So you'll notice that it's mostly governments and larger organizations, smaller companies are finally coming to that realization. But to be honest, they always look at know how much does it really cost us and can we get away with it and if they can they don't actually do it was if they're not that important and they don't think that their risk is high they usually skip cybersecurity solutions in place which is really not ideal it's very risky that we live in because we know attackers don't discriminate if they can get on your computer to go to your customers they will which is what's happening (laughs) exactly exactly um, all right, so let's um, get into your to your education background. Um, I see you, you have uh, CCNP, CEH, Masters, uh, Network Plus. I have my Network Plus. Um, I haven't updated it in, in so long, so I'm not really worried about getting it again. Um, CISSP, 
and your OSCP. Yep. So um, I'm going to talk about, I, I want you to talk about a little bit about the uh, your certifications. And then I want to talk about the OSCP just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, for me, getting certifications has always been my way to prove my worth. I, I don't usually go around town crying that, you know, society owes me anything or people look down at me most of me in a certain way. But I've seen that by virtue of just showing up in the industry, looking slightly different. Uh, as you can see, I don't have the typical nerd look or feel. Mm. I use these certifications not only to learn a lot of materials so that I can master my craft, but also to prove to people that I'm someone they should take seriously. Because I've worked in the environments where people don't take you seriously. You show up, you think you don't know what you're talking about. If you have one of the leading industry certifications like the OSCP, which is a 48-hour exam, I mean, 24-hour exam, and there's no way around that. It's a way to really prove to people that, hey, I'm here to do good work, and I'm a serious person to work with. And they also tend to open a lot of doors, especially for people who otherwise don't come from a typical IT background and mm -hmm. break into IT or cybersecurity. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um. So the... OSCP, um, I've always, I've seen that certification pop around, but I've never gotten a chance to, to kind of look into it. So can you, can you tell me, um, more about this one? Yes. The OSCP, that's the Offensive Security Certified and Professional. It's a very, very widely respected certification, mostly because it's a hands-on exam. If you're interested in ethical hacking and breaking into computers, they will give you machines, say four or six machines. They give you 24 hours and say, hey, go at it. If you can break into these machines, you gain points, you get flags, and you write a report after that, like a pen testing report. And then you prove that you were actually able to do the work and you never know what you are after. So because of that, we say very, very good, good certification for those who really want to go and learn hands-on ethical hacking. Like if you have never hacked a computer in your life, taking their course will show you the way. And also, it just gives you that confidence that you can show up to a company and look at their systems and look for vulnerabilities and try to exploit them and write a very professional report as well afterwards. So I would say it's a very, very good certification for uh, ethical hacking and offensive security. And if anyone yeah. is ever interested in that field, I... It's definitely something I recommend. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, so let, let's talk about your work experience a little bit. You started at Help Desk, then you moved up to System Admin, Network Engineer, and now Cybersecurity Engineer Cybersecurity Engineer. Um give me give me some horror stories. Like what in your work history, give me some horror stories, some some bad stories, anything. Like, talk to me about your work history. Yeah, um, I started way at the bottom. I think what I, my path is what most people use to consider to be typical. It doesn't have to be nowadays. People can go straight and work in cybersecurity. Uh -huh. But uh, working from help desk, I realized that, you know, I struggled a lot. Um, I still have my accent, but I, my accent used to be thicker than this. And I, I used to work uh, my very first job in IT answering phone calls. And the moment I answer a phone call, having an accent, people thought they just connected to someone in Africa. 
So I used to be asked, hey, are you in the United States? Are you in the United States? And I struggled with that a lot. Then once they knew that I was in the United States, people still sometimes didn't believe that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. And that's why you see that um, now I have a YouTube channel. I get certifications. I do a YouTube channel where I do hands-on technical stuff and show people what I can do. It's from those days where this constant um, doubt that I, I used to get. So Help Desk is a wonderful place. I still believe that I was very good at the Help Desk because I like to help people. I like to work with people and individuals. But uh, one thing that burnt me out from that career was mostly what I just described, uh, the phone calls. If it was just in person, I had a good time with that. Um, moving to system administration, I learned a lot. I was lucky enough that the company that I was working for, while well, I was at Help Desk, I was getting the CCNA certifications. I was taking any training as I can when the sysadmin left. I was the first, next person in line who had some training, official certifications, that they could tell that I was trained by an external entity. Then they gave me a chance, and I was able to excel at that. Then I moved into network administration just to come full circle. But if, throughout the whole time, I always knew I wanted to work in cybersecurity because we used to get audited as well. And the auditors will come and they'll ask us questions, they'll do ethical hacking. And I really wanted that. And that's how I ended up um, pursuing cybersecurity as a career from just seeing what the auditors were doing. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that's the one thing about help desk is just like hearing your, your, uh, your statement about the burnout with the phone calls and things like that. So. Yeah, I could I could definitely understand on that. Yeah, uh, we've been to angry users and and uh, <laughs> you know and, and people just don't and laughing. What because you be telling me all the tech would have a hard time would come to me. It's almost as if I know I have a secret ingredient and all the angry. I'm talking about. I wait and they want to hurt you on a throat like that. They're on my neck and call. We having fun. We are cool. And I told Marvin, there's a trick to it because so many people come up with an ego. All I did mm -hmm. was play a soft minded or a little trick I learned over the years. I call it digital butler. It's like one about white glove service. But when mm -hmm. I knew that, and it, there's a little comedy that come along with it, a little trick to how you speak. You have to let them drop their guard. If you can't have them drop their guard, good. And Throw out everything that done. It got to a point. It make my job easy. Bobby understand it. Not mm -hmm. that these angry customers looking for small food they can rely on. If they can gain your trust, knowing that you're there to help them, help them, they'll tell you everything you know and then something to the point. You don't have to ask no more questions. And I yeah. that's telling my manager, even my present job, that the way you can talk to people, you can make them give you way more than enough information you need, and you can pinpoint what the problem is. But I stretch myself out so much. Yeah. All about people interaction, all about communication, all about body language, all about understanding uh, the thought process. So when you think you had to run into the language barrier, I'm not doing it. No matter how they think about me and my tongue language, like, oh, your accent's so thick. Like, where are you from? I think I'm from Nigeria. Oh, then the stereotype comes to kick in. I don't care about the stereotype. I, yeah. you know, I'm different from everybody else. I'm sure you went to the same thing that I went to for being an African person in this mm -hmm. field. You were like you had to raise the bar much, much higher than everyone else. I mean, I told Marvin this. There are three levels of black people. An African American person that worked twice or three times harder. A Caribbean 
four to five. But one thing, not that you're from Africa, you really have to raise it so high. So they can recognize you. you. You're not African. It's you. You know what the hell you doing. Exactly. When you mentioned that. I I fully grab. I fully understand why we have to always be on our feet and we can't be mediocre. But yeah, we can't. Yeah, no. There's no space for mediocre mm-hmm. for Africa. Mm-hmm. So Marvin, you hear? You understand? We have to be good. That's yes. Yeah, I know. But but that's the thing though. If you if you compare us to our to our white counterparts. It's like sometimes I wonder. It's like why do we have to kind of continuous to work twice as hard? I've seen sloppy system admins who are you know Caucasians, but they don't. They never get fired, or they never you know get reprimanded. But it's always us who have to work three times as hard, four times as hard. I get it. Yeah, it's in our nature. You know, we show up. We have certifications, but. You know, respect us that we show up. You know, don't don't try to kill us with some imaginary bar that keeps moving every time we we hit that bar. You know what I'm saying? So I get yeah, we <laughs> the moving targets. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, but I got you to it. But Ned, as African, what our culture taught us is to never give up. Dig your feet as deep as possible and let nobody move. He's from Zimbabwe. I'm from Nigeria. Doesn't matter where we are in Africa, we all have that same mind. We have to prove we are the best. Best being second, third best. We're not just getting by. We're we're not a token black employee to meet some quarters for HR. We are here to do real good work. And I think if you speak to the people that I've worked with before, I mean, I don't with with your team at work. You don't say, "Hey, I'm here to do this." You you just do it. And that's what I've seen that works. You just show up, make sure that, you know, if mistakes happen once in a while, you make mm-hmm. mistakes, but you are on top of your game. You are there to really perform in the highest levels that the company expects. And yeah. they end up, like in Target, I got promoted to be a senior engineer after almost like uh, two years, which was uh, with a little faster than before. Of course, that was my very first like engineering job that I yeah. had. Yeah. Um, Coming from network administration and stuff like that, so, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I know, I know. But we we um we had a we had an episode. We in life, we had an episode about burnout, and mm-hmm. I think having that that constant drive that we we all have, mm-hmm. it does lead to to us kind of uh, mentally getting burnt out sometimes. So it, it's yeah. it is what it is. We show up, we do the work, you know. I'd rather prove to myself that I'm able to do the work than to prove to somebody else like I, I could do the work just as good as they do. So it's, yeah. I carry, when you we walk from work, Marvin would work with me. We had a point mm-hmm. project. It was the biggest problem I always do. I put myself far beyond. Yeah, I had to, I had to kind of tell them to stop. Like, like dude, you, you, you. You're not you're not building the company and and like inclusive at the same time like like yeah we're here to we're here to do the work like you you're doing too much sometimes so but you see yourself and that can work together she'll look it down on our work way hard so we either fight again the imaginary bar or we fall in the tug of oh you're not working hard enough we need to fire you 
that is our stigma as being African IT professional mm -hmm. in the market. It's not going to go away as long we're working on a European corporation. I can't say why, but more so on I mean, a European mindset. It's not going to change. This is why you call me firm myself out to the to extreme level because it's never enough. I can work a little hard, you know, say I'm late, but I'm doing the same thing as my white counterpart or my Caucasian counterpart. But it's hard work here. But me doing the same with them, it's not hard working. I'm being mm -hmm. so this is why when you see me come in from top to bottom, everything I have on my feet, I can't I'm not perfect, but it's almost like you working working to be perfect. In evidence, you can't make too much mistake because if you make too many mistakes, they could point it out. But for a Caucasian counterpart, they're not going to point it out as much as they point out our mistakes. Mm -hmm. So he, how we understand when I'm coming from when you come in, we're not doing this. You're going to let our work speak for itself. Now work speak for itself, then that would start. Right? Yeah, it's almost like you end up becoming this. Uh, it's like 360, right? They think you show up, you uh, you might be in a different category. Then after a while, you end up in another one. But the one thing that I found out is that as long as we do quality work and you produce good results, and you know you you also have the credentials, you know, like these certifications and other things to actually back what you have. Not yeah. only does that provide stability for your career, just in case your current employer gets out goes out of business, you can get a newer job faster too, because you know you. Not only do you have the good experience, but you have the papers to prove that uh, you have it. And for me, as someone with, without a computer science degree, I will, oh, I've always felt like these certifications and my knowledge and my projects and things that I can speak to are all I have. I mean, I can go and get a computer science degree tomorrow, but um, with the knowledge that we have and also the certifications, the real uh, valuable appropriate certifications can be very helpful, especially if you have to find a new job. You don't want to, you know, be on the market for six months because, you know, you're missing some gaps somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. I think I heard, you have to do it up to for the kitchen budget degree, which is more valuable because I've noticed that like how I said, if you have that for the kitchen, you can go anywhere to the managing business. You can apply for a job in the UK and they like a good thing or who my money will like, okay, I'm going to the UK. Oh, okay, I'm going to France because it seemed to me the degree system is, have not been popular. More than yeah, they've not been standardized too. So yeah. Degree from New York University and one from University of Minnesota. It says cybersecurity or IT. If you look at the curriculum, completely different. And so you're not getting the same person with a degree, but the certifications at least, especially cybersecurity ones, they're very, very specific and they'll give you a specific knowledge. Some of them, they don't show the updated authentication is more up to date than the three. That's not the biggest problem. Because mm. I went on other panel and we had this conversation about certification versus degree. And I tell you, better off than certification, but not up to date. It's on point. It matters mm. on today's market. The problem with degree was you have people who sit down from a student loan, talk money to 100 grand. Oh, well, yeah. You can utilize that same degree to get the job you're looking for. Now, they're trying to. They're trying to convert certificate to degrees as well, but if you're not catching up to date with the market standard, it will come to you or with Microsoft or all the other market standard, then it'll give almost. Yeah, that's why I've always been a big proponent of, you know, I, I see certifications and degrees as tools to get me hired so I can provide for my family if I lost my job, to get me promotions. 
I don't see them as a means to gain knowledge. I mean, you can gain knowledge most of the time if you get a job, if you're just lucky enough to get a job and you do good work, you get a lot of knowledge there. Uh, I also do a lot of home labs. Like I believe in, if I'm curious about something and I can do it at work, yeah. I spin up myself, I'll do my own experiments. Sometimes I'll get carried away and go on a tangent. But I think that's part of the growing and learning. And those things really become invaluable. And after a certain amount of experience in the industry, the papers will get you through maybe, you know, pay scale cuts. Certain companies say, if you don't have a four-year degree, we can't put you in this pay range. So I, I'm lucky that I have a four-year degree, but yeah. I know friends who work in cybersecurity who, who, who can get to certain companies because those companies have these draconian rules that say, you need to have a four-year degree for us to pay you $120,000 or something silly like that. But yeah, they're just tools at the end of the day. They don't really mean that you know what you're doing either. The experience yeah. from work really counts the most, to be honest. So people like yourself with 20-plus experience in the industry, that's what people are looking for. That's what gets a lot of people into respect you more. So yeah, you know that you've done and you've been exposed to things. Yeah, and definitely, definitely having your home, your home lab. So whatever you want to work on, you have those, those tools available to, to develop your skills. So I tell, I tell everybody in the, in the IT field, I come across like spend time to, or set some money aside to set up your home lab, two, three laptops, nothing expensive, you know, and just have your tools ready. Just try, try new things. Try different things. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's uh, talk about the pros and cons of of your your career and your current position. What what do you feel is the pros and cons? Um, I find the pros to be. I think I chose the correct career was this is going to keep me busy for a long time. I don't think I see myself like retiring and forgetting my work. I find a lot of excitement. I go to work. I'm always looking forward to, okay, what bad things are about to happen? What can I find? Or how can I break into these systems? Uh, is, especially in a couple of weeks here, I'll be joining a red team where I'll be doing simulated attacks like the bad, bad people. That stuff really at this time in my life is very exciting. It's nice. Pros are, I get to do things that I'll otherwise be doing if I wasn't working, which is a really good thing. Like, I mean, Think of getting paid to break into computers, to think a bad person, to literally hack things, uh, which is something that I really enjoy. So that's a very big pro. Um, the cons, like you mentioned, I think um, you said, you know, the burnout. If you're not careful, if you are really not taking care of yourself, exactly. you're too carried away. You might be away from your family because you're so like, hey, I, I need to learn how to hack. It's a very, very fine line between, you know, us keeping our skills and enjoying the work, but also being intentional about, you know, letting go, taking a break from this computer stuff. Because we like, at least for me, I like it so much that if I, if it were up to me, I'll just be doing it all the time. So the con is if we're not careful, not only can we alienate those around us, but also we end up burning ourselves out of the industry, which is not ideal. So. That's something that I've been very conscious of and making sure that uh, I take care of myself and uh, be there for my family before spending too much time in this stuff. 
Yeah, true, true. Um, that's uh, I, I've seen a lot of IT people burn themselves out just just at a point where they just can't. They're not even marketable anymore. You know. So yeah, yeah. It's and there's that's, some IT quitting the IT. They say they gave up on them, but I've met people who just I, I would have put it was better with the IT. They know what I'm going to attend my job. I'll be a truck driver or I'll be a a garbage man. It's like sometimes they get to a particular brick wall that they're like, they're not being appreciated enough. I think that is what the biggest problem in IT. Yeah. You have too much fluctuation of people from overseas who are headhunters trying mm-hmm. to lowball the standard of what certain profession is supposed to make and make it seem like you're not that important. I think that would be having an issue because I remember I talked to Marvin when I bumped into him in that same building. And he mentioned some of these lawyers, but like IT professors are not much important people, but yet you are the backbone mm-hmm. so today. Without us, who will keep staying running? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We don't. We don't even have a union. That's what drives you. You want to be part of a union? We don't even have a union. We need one, but we don't have them. New reporter has union. New character got union. Construction worker got union. The nurse got union. The police got you, so you know, like what? I think, I think over the past couple of years, especially with the need for um, digital assets and things like that, IT as a career has been really um, been put on the spotlight, and we're actually getting more attention than we used to. Because I mean, we, we keep the world running right now. I mean, everything is runs on computers. Exactly. Like as a system administrator, I remember uh, I was running the entire company by myself. I knew every single server. I knew every employee that was joining and uh, without me, or if I had made, made a mistake, the company can lose money just like that from a simple mistake that I made. But of course, the view has always been, oh, it's UN expense. People in the field are the one bringing money in. There is no money tied to you as an IT person. In the view, I think, is changing and things are getting better. That's what I think on that. And I'm hopeful that at least the appreciation will be I better. believe you on that. But I think there's no problem with this. Today's situation, yeah. it's a paradox about to hit hard. Where you know this is, I'm not sure Marvin knows this as well. Whatever company you're working in, they hire more IT professionals than usual. But mm. the mistake they're making is that majority of us are working at home. Majority of us don't have our office space. Mm-hmm. The majority of us cannot come back into the office. So this pandemic threw a unique monkey wrench that only a few companies understood what can be done. And it made it clear that to come to the office, like everybody needs to be at, at home, like everybody needs to be remote. They know who can be remote, who cannot be remote. And they made that quick to clear, but multiple companies, for the sake of want to control the workforce, they fear the oh, yeah. Will it stay if not in your favor? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Bobby know that New York City real estate is not ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but that's the that's the thing. What I love about this this uh, I, I'll say what I love about the pandemic is that it forced a lot of companies to kind of look at you know their infrastructure and say, hey, maybe I don't need to pay for this half a million dollar office. I could run everything in the cloud and still be productive. So that that's what it, it comes down to. You know, life throws you that those monkey wrenches. You just gotta be prepared to to handle them. 
we're going on to build a little a hybrid. Really yeah. Like that. More you to work in from home. So it, I know that the stuff thing when I do, I had a, a year ago, and I'm sure it's going to happen. Depend on where the remote workers live at or what they're using, they might have to station some tech to be nearby. Huh. Just in case, if remote process not going to work, you can tell it to that person home who's talking to the issues on hand. I remember I was working at the lot of some of our efforts that home to the executive office in their home to do the trouble so that they come back. I remember oh, yeah. Marvin, I had to deal with a manager. He got two offices and he had a home office, one in the city, one in Long Island, and one. So I have to build people for his York office, for his Long Island office, and for his home office. And I asked him, who would have set up with the home office? So, oh, we got one of the executive office. Yeah, yeah I, I've 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 seen that also, but I think now it's like they're cutting back on that, like multiple PCs in the environment now, because one of the things we've done at at the firm where I'm at is that they've cut back on those multiple PCs. It's basically either a desktop or a laptop, and they they pretty much put their foot down because all of that is pretty much costly. If you look at the license on the back end. You're paying for a license for a PC and then a license for a, a desktop. So at the end of the day, Microsoft is making their money, but you're paying out of pocket. So, yeah. It's something like that. It's, it's what server cows. That's what we, like, they used to call them back in the day. Access uh -huh. pay user. Yeah. 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 So it, it's a, they're, they're looking at the, they're seeing that they're paying a lot of money for it and it's not really necessary. So it's pretty much like, hey, you know, one laptop per user, it's either a laptop or a desktop. So, you know. But with Microsoft, when I saw that change, I another change. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is, yeah. So, yeah. Um, he said it's fun. I think it's fun for him because you're not dealing with much people, you deal with, with the machine. When he's back here, a lot of people keep telling me, they a port of based on your position. I like to deal with people at my pro. Some people don't like to deal with people. That's their pro. So I'm guessing for Howard, their pro is, I don't have to see your base. I just deal with the, the, the equipment and the system. I don't have no equipment shutting out me. They listen. I do the command. They follow it. They execute. I think that's... Yes. Um, to be honest, it's, it's both a positive and negative. I really enjoyed getting to work working with people that really had genuine technological issues and me being out there to help troubleshoot and fix them. I found a sense of purpose in that. Um, then compared to the other side where you're just engineering solutions, you don't get that instant gratification. You have to wait and maybe six months from now, you get feedback that the tool that you worked on so much is working and sometimes you don't. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's both ways. And working with people by far uh, and making sure that you communicate these things is one of the most fulfilling things. Because even though we are IT people, finding meaning and treating it as a vocation also kind of helps. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think that's what we are as people. It's one way to find real meaning in what we do every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right, so let's talk about the area of IT you're in. So what what got you into, you know, hacking and, and cybersecurity? Like what was that spark that, that got you into it? 
Yeah, I was working at Help Desk and I was at a college and I was working at Help Desk. A lot of people came with laptops that had viruses. And the first time I saw ransomware, somebody showed up with a laptop that had a screen that said, your computer has been hacked, you need to pay Bitcoin. And I saw that note and I couldn't believe my eyes. I thought it was maybe fake. There was a way for me to get around it. And the more I did it in this case, I found out, no, this is actually a real ransomware. It's a real attacker. And there's no way around this unless if there's backups. And that really pulled at me a lot that there's people out there who can have manipulate computers in a way that I didn't understand. So I was just out of curiosity. I wanted to be like one of them. I wanted to know how are they writing that ransomware? How are they delivering it? And I quickly learned that I can't just go and say, hey, I want to write ransomware or I want to deliver ransomware. I needed to know how computers work, networking. I needed to know operating systems. And I needed to know, you know, how to communicate those tools to people, especially when I'm working for a big company. And because of that, that's how I ended up, you know, following the path of going through system administration, knowing exactly how people de deploy systems and how systems are hardened. Then going through network administration, knowing how a network infrastructure is set up or the protocols that are involved. And I might have taken too long to move into cybersecurity. Uh, I struggled a lot actually to get into cybersecurity. Nobody thought I could. That's how I ended up doing some of the certifications. But mm -hmm. um, it was mostly out of curiosity. And to be honest, I just didn't like that there were certain people out there who knew something that was so nasty that I had no idea how it works. I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to know what they're doing. And that's what it put me into uh, ethical hacking and offensive security. Nice, nice. Um, like you have a question or? Um, based on your your answer, mm. I know that you have a YouTube channel. Mm. So that's more like connecting to why you in the theory. Why you showcasing the teaching? What was the main purpose of you connecting to the audience to your channel? We trying to create as avenue to encourage people to jump to the skills that it is something that we're getting into? Um, my YouTube channel, I started it first uh, as advice from, I was reading Daniel Misler's blog, and he said, you know, in order for it's, there's a blog post called How to Build a Career in Cybersecurity, and one of the things he mentioned was, you need to get the basics done, and I had gotten the basics done. And he said, the next thing is you need to show people what you know. Just say, hey, world, this is what I know. And if you can write a blog post about it, if you can show in a video, it removes the doubt. So you can say my YouTube channel is like two or three main reasons. One is me, was me before I got into cybersecurity. Just showing the world. So when I applied for a job, they say, hey, do you know this? I'll say, yes, I know this, this is this. Then after the interview, I say, hey, by the way, uh, here's another video where I spend an hour talking about the same topic. So if people had any doubts, they can see me talk about it. They can judge themselves whether or not I know was it's most, some of them, most of them are live streams where I'm just like, hey, today we're breaking into a Windows computer. Then the second part, uh, which I actually posted on Reddit a couple of days ago, it really bothers me that um, I speak to folks mostly from Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Companies like EY and other big multinational companies out there, they use certifications as a measure of proficiency. I know as someone who was in Zimbabwe, I could never have afforded $700 for a certified ethical hacker certification. That, is, that would have been my uh, 
a teacher's salary maybe for three months. So coming to YouTube and saying, hey, you can learn how to do ethical hacking for free on a cheap laptop that was supposed to be thrown away. This is a bunch of software and you can be doing that. It doesn't have to be expensive. So sharing that knowledge with people. Uh, but what I also found during the process is every Friday, I have three or four people that I speak to 30 minutes at a time, mostly from the third world country saying, hey, I really need to move into this industry. I don't know where to get started. And if I learn from your videos, people don't believe that I learned anything because I have nothing to show for it. They're almost saying, hey, how can we get these certifications? And sharing that knowledge, especially if you king, is something that I'm passionate about. And to be honest, in the world that we live in, if you are just structured enough, you can learn pretty much anything for free on the internet. And I'm part of that group of people who are trying to deliver that uh, content for free on the internet. Nice. Nice. Um... So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about just uh give you a we're gonna touch off some subject for a second. Um, mm -hmm. what do you see happening in the on the hacker side of cybersecurity? Do you see like a lot of groups getting together and and partnering up? Because I saw a presentation uh, a couple of days ago where mm -hmm. the presenter is saying that what he believes is like a lot of organizations are structuring like hacker or corporate hacker organizations are st structuring like corporations. Now you have somebody who's out there looking for the talent. You have the manager, you have the, the HR person, they're partnering together to create bigger, better viruses and ransomware. Do you, do you, do you see that as like happening? right now due to the pandemic or this has just been happening slowly building up over the years you know i'm, I'm very fascinated by that and i'm glad you asked that question uh what i've seen happen is nation state actors are getting way way better at what they do you see yeah. certain countries um breaking into other countries um the u.s is also part of that where you know the quality intelligence gathering but nation states in general they are more involved than that they have ever been before. And uh, I think if you listen to some of these um, podcasts out there, there are certain company, countries that actually are benefiting financially from just cyber crime where they've parts of their militaries, cyber units that do it for a living 24-7. They come in and they, they go. So I see nation states being one of the biggest actors out there, which means that governments are likely to be hiring more cybersecurity people, more experienced cybersecurity people because they really want to combat these nation state actors. Then organized groups as well uh, from certain parts of the world. Uh, we have seen an increase, like you said, in collaboration. But one thing that I've seen very common that happens is one person releases a malware. Within two days or 24 hours, another group takes the same copy of the malware. They weaponize it. They make it even better. Because they, yeah. I mean, the base has already been created. And this trend has been happening all the, all the time where a small variant of malware gets released. Bigger groups that have more resources, more qualified people take it and weaponize it at a larger scale and because more harmful. So that means they didn't do much of the legwork. Somebody yeah. did the best and they, they just take took it and put better tools around it to make it better. And that's yeah. something that I, if, if I were to be concerned about that, they, cyber threat uh, landscape is that ability to uh, weaponize malware 
to that scale. It has been happening for a long time, but recently, uh, organized crime criminal groups have been very, very active. And it's unfortunate that while they have been getting caught, the majority of them never get caught because it's easier to hide uh, that money and also their identities. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're structured behind a, a, when you're a group that's structured like an organization or a corporation now, you could easily hide yourself instead of easily being caught. So, yeah. So, like I tell a lot of business owners that I come across, it's like, it doesn't matter if you don't have anything that a hacker or, you know, somebody wants. It's basically when they get into your system and find what they're looking for, then they move off to your, to your vendor, then they're in your vendor system, then they look around and see what kind of client that vendor has and so forth and so forth. So you're basically the gateway into this, this whole, you know, kind of organize this whole structure. So exactly. Yeah. Now, or, you, or you could just be part of a botnet, say a compromise in your computer, but realize that I can't get in your bank account. I can just keep you as part of a botnet where if I really need to attack another victim, I can just use you to jumpstart my attacks or I can use some traffic from your computer to cause a simple denial of service. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think that everyone just needs to be diligent about their cybersecurity hygiene and doing the right things and making sure that attackers don't get to you. I don't, I don't think we're in a world where you can say, well, I'm not important enough. Nobody cares about me anymore. Yeah. Because we can be used as gateways. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk about your mentors. Who are some of your mentors in, in, in your field, in your career? Yeah, you know, I have an old manager of mine. Um, this gentleman, I was working for him. I was doing system administration work. And he was like, hey, you know, if you got a new job tomorrow and you move into cybersecurity, I'm not be mad. I know this is something that you're passionate about. I know you have been working towards and getting better at it. And to be honest, I'm encouraging you to start looking for a new job. I know you work for me, which is very unusual for people to say, you know, we work for them. It's not in their best interest for you to live. And because of that, I've always used them as a mentor where before I made any move, career moves, I'll say, hey, I'm about to check this certification. Or, hey, I'm struggling with... Uh, uh, maybe communication, maybe it's a misunderstanding between myself and a colleague. And I think I'm right. And I just need someone who is part honest and tell me, you know, you're overthinking things. Nothing is there. So I had my uh, old manager that I always bounce ideas off. I also have um, someone who I never worked with before, but I found via my YouTube channel. They just reached out to me one day. They were like, hey, we, I, we see that you have consistently produced content. And to them, consistency was something that really struck a chord was they, they know that you know, it's easy to have a burst of energy and just produce 20 videos, then mm -hmm. disappear for six months and have burst of energy and come back. But I've consistently produced content week after week. And um, they're like, because of this, I would like to help you get into cybersecurity. Is there anything that I can do? I was like, hey, actually, yeah, I've been applying and I didn't get any responses. So I started bouncing ideas off them, get my resume fixed. And they were honest. Both my mentors are people that tell me when I'm being ridiculous or if I'm not going in the right direction, they're not worried about offending me. They really care about where I'm going. Um, before I make a career move, before I make any major decisions, like, oh, I want to switch teams, 
from, you know, blue team to red team or, you know, system administration to service security. I say, hey, is this a good amount of time to have spent it a job? I wanted to switch after three months to another job. And I was like, that's not a good idea. Unless if you really hate your job, I would use the next, you know, four or five months gaining the certifications was you want to make sure that your work history is still solid, you know, things like that. So I mm-hmm. gave a couple of mentors and because of that, um, I found myself mentoring some people. I have three people that I work with very closely and uh, two of them got jobs in cybersecurity. One is currently uh, struggling uh, with a unique situation where they have a master's in cybersecurity, but they've never worked in IT. And people really getting a little weird when you show up with a master's. I think you want $120,000 to start. So, you know, things like that. But yeah, having yeah. the definitely is something that I think needs to be applied. And any organizations out there that helps with connecting people with mentors uh, or yeah. uh, something that I like to work with. Yeah, um, uh, I want to touch touch a little bit about um, we were saying that one of the reasons for your YouTube channel is basically like showing people that you actually know what you're talking about, and I think I, I think what a lot of IT people fail to realize is that using social media for your benefits is is one of the best things about it. Like that's another reason why I started my YouTube channel is like. Hey, I want to show you what I could do because I have an extensive career in this industry and, mm-hmm. you know, I know what I'm talking about. So it's just whenever I just talk to people, I'm like, use social media. Like, it's not all bad. You just have to kind of use it for your benefit. You know, just it's your living resume. It's your living body of work. So, you know, why not you put that Mm-hmm channel because at first I did not want to bump ahead with the jargon of the tech group that we have on my other we had the tech we had Imanax we had Jake who said but what Marvin said they are the level one I had to agree with them exactly it's level one but they don't have the back end on the purpose style that we are experienced observed works done and built upon so I said you know what it not be a competition, be more of another level with showcasing things that they have not approached yet. Limit I have done up in your early career, but you walk away from it. I can understand that. But what they're doing is kind of we can build on on top as well. I think it's going to level close. This podcast we're doing is just to open the door wider. So it's not everything that you see besides Limit Tech, Limit Nexus, J2 Cent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one part of it, but it's much more beside that as well. So yeah, great, and I gather this is what IP really is. There's so much more that go on the inside you can learn from. So exactly, like, me and Marvin, you will do the channel. We'll talk about IT more. I might talk about it or how to protect yourself. You know, you debate with Chima Baseball. I will have to work with you, however, because <laughs> Jeff, uh, this issue you have with the community, the, the con- connection, everything is down to the science. Mm-hmm. hardware and the software. If you don't have the right combination, the right formula, they're not going to work the way it's supposed to work. And I think me and Marvin T in corporate America, Marvin will tell you, me and two other guys, we would get, get heavily geeked out. I mean geeked out. Marvin will look at us like we lost our mind. We just speaking stuff. Oh, he's using the wrong thing. Marvin just sit down and watch us like, nothing. Are you right? 
<laughs> you don't care about your point of view. Oh yeah, but this is why they have a this intro and this intro and this because you would you would go ahead and say this is why we getting put my foot back, put yep. my annoying headache, and that's the headache to the point whereby we wait for something to happen. I will tell you this. They probably work together. I saw something. I put it down there ahead of time, month in advance, maybe two or three months. By the time it went down, my phone blown up. Oh, called it. Oh, you called it. Oh, you called it. Like, called what? Oh, remember you thought it's happened. XYZ, it actually happened the way it happened. I think mm. the problem. They hired the one expert. Yeah. One of the guys told her at the IT profession, there are two kind of things you can either you make them be able to make money mm. or you have them save money. Yeah. Our position is them to save money. So how are you going to save them money if this keep on going on and the way more to fix the problem? We should spend less. Yeah. And I'm glad when Marvin mentioned that this is like a resume or online resume, but also to showcase so that people know that much more people think of just building people. They designed it, the formal behind the actual stuff. So exactly. While we're doing this interview, we are using you and many other athletes to showcase people. There are too many different avenues you can venture in. They need to survive what you can do. Exactly. Hopefully, you might have our first black corporation and you have more black people in different areas of IT that we can purchase like even more because you know that very well how it's Yeah, actually, today um, I read that South Africa is building a Silicon Valley and companies like Amazon and um, Google, they're interested in having another team there just like how india has been where they get developers but i really actually at first when i started doing these online appearances youtube and things i used to be very self-conscious i would actually hold back like oh i don't i don't want to sound like an arrogant person but here's what i found out it's it's both ways if i make youtube videos for 10 consecutive years you're going to see a history a progression of me even aging but also me getting better. Uh, that's, like you said, an online portfolio that no one can, no one can take that away from you. At the same time, you're contributing to the community. At the same time, you're showing the community that it's okay to start somewhere. You, if you watch my videos from three years ago, when I didn't know much about cybersecurity videos, when now I am doing ethical hacking, you can tell that I've grown. And as a person, my growth, I'm lucky enough that it's documented. And I would like to keep that documentation in place, uh, both to inspire others and also for those who don't watch the entire thing and pick on pieces, they will still benefit from it. But at the same time, I'm not shy to say that that is my contribution to the community. And also, it's a way for me if I wanted you to hire me and you were using Azure, you can go and say, hey, here's a couple of videos of me working on security groups in Azure. And this is what I know about Azure. This is what I've done. And I can just, you can take my weight for it. You can see me do it. Yeah. Which is yeah. different. That's what it's got. Man, my one thing, I'm doing the hardware formula. I always understand the hardware formula because a lot of people mm. going to keep making that same mistake over and over saying, oh, you don't need this spec and this spec and this spec. But later on, God forbid, you have a 500 machine crashing on it for what kind of reason? What chip are you reading? What kind of hard drive are you? What kind of stuff do you do? What do you overlook? And when you find out what I was overlooking, it's not that they can take your work because they'll tell who are you. So we have to do things like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. To teach, to educate, 
Am I had do am I had do it start doing all the three matter of video series? But now you you start walking you through what you need to get, you need to watch out for, what kind of black on you, what kind of cameras and cut. I'm getting people are going too far with the two thousand dollar, three thousand dollar, four thousand professional cameras with and I say you don't need. Mm-hmm. But for but for that money you could get better better equipment. I get it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Yeah. Corporation make that same mistake for decades, and you don't watch it and see it. Now, all of a sudden, you got the infrastructure bill come to play. Oh, you want to build a landline? I will send them all them. Everybody want to go to the cloud, but we are behind. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not the same infrastructure. It's not the same as the United Kingdom mm-hmm. or France or Scotland, not even China. But you trying to go too far to the extreme end, putting too much work on something that is crumbling. How are you going to do that? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You at the cybersecurity act, you see that easy. Yeah, even when I was a sysadmin, we we, uh, we once made a mistake of buying uh, Dell XPS computers with the very first chip that they had produced. They were being sold as high-end computers and we were crashing with Microsoft Excel. And we found out that the chip that they were using was the same as the Chromebooks. Holy <laughs> and yeah, and of course, you launch Google Chrome and a couple of Excel spreadsheets, the thing crashes and we pay two grand for it. And we're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I get where you're coming from. <laughs> it's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a good story. This is an ink. A guy mm-hmm. was telling me, oh, you don't, to put, you don't need too much RAM. How you want to tell me you have an i7 processor, mm-hmm. a 80 gig, no, not 80 gig, sorry, 200 gig hard drives. And eight gigs on well, right? Mm-hmm. But you want to put Photoshop. Yeah, and things for example. And DVR. And I'm looking at them like, you, you need to be at least 32. No, 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 no. Not the hard drive quarter paid for. I watch this guy. Now, mind you, he's a high position. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, about hardware like I do. And well, who met with hardware instructor will tell you Photoshop recorded the resource vampire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing you don't have, you have the basic minimum to run Windows. But I, yeah. I keep trying to figure out why the combination come in the state. Windows have a minimum to operate alone by itself, not with the added application you put on it. Mm-hmm. So when you start putting the software vampire watch now, and they will start taking my word and think the same thing, software vampires, you put it in their machine, not only it will fight with the resource with Windows, it will fight with the resource with any other application you have. In that machine. So when you're using Photoshop and by the time 30 minutes in, it is free, mm-hmm. then shut down BSOD, loosen up that, you're asking why did it happen? Think. <laughs> you can do the magic. I tell you, you can make a Volkswagen Beetle act like a Roy Royce. It's not. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm seeing this now in, in my current cor- corporation. Like, we've got laptops that can't hold the, uh, the latest. Uh, Windows 20H update. It's like you gotta you gotta kind of future think these laptops. Like you need Windows itself. Microsoft will always push out big updates for Windows. So you gotta think about that. Then you gotta think about these um, software that constantly need the update. So that's taking up hardware space. Now the next big update that rolls out, you can't roll it out because there's no hard drive space. So plus user data and then, yeah. So it's like, 
you got a few future think and future proof everything. Most of these, and plus most of these um, decision makers are not hardware savvy. That's the thing. They're not hardware savvy. They have no IT background, but they put them in place because they're good at crunching numbers. And I, I, was, gonna, I was going to ask you, is it, is it because people like you who have been in the industry and they've seen things are too expensive, maybe. But it's not, it's not a twist. <laughs> let me let know the secret. It's not a twist, Francis. There's a hidden handshake that going between the vendor and the cloud behind the shadow. Mm -hmm. We're not paying attention though. Because let you will. Marvin noted almost a decade and a half ago, people used to throw out the machine. They find out they cannot do it because of federal regulation. Yeah, the FTC they do it by they that part of the process when you give it a whole machine. You look yeah. at the woods. They do not whitelist and the whitelist. We did that with UBS. And you know, do not whitelist, we had a game kind of hardware, putting the evidence back, write down the name or the user the machine, the specs, what machine take it out from, put it in the box so they can't investigate, make sure this doesn't happen. Now, problem is when you want to do future proof in the machine, they don't think long term, just for the sake of saving money. Oh, yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. And these vendors, let's be honest with you, they're not giving. They're not always giving you the best. The best that like, you have the big budgets like Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. Who I know who works in Bloomberg, they say they get the top of the line PC. They like getting the end of the line getting pushed out, making room for the new set of series that are coming. Out. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's why we have these issues where they got future proofing. Like, that's number one. That's mm -hmm. not hardware. They're putting like hard drive. What kind of hard drive we use? Are you using the mechanical hard drive? Are you using the data hard drive? Are you using the M two hard drive? Another thing. The chip, like you said, the XPS with Dell machine or no different from the Chrome chip. Why would you think that way and think, oh, you're going to save costs? Remember, yeah. you processors are not the same. Some processors require actual horsepower. If you want to get a developer, Marvin know that developers are, are work headaches. Not you guys, cybersecurity security guys. Developers, because you know what? Their job is to constantly improve or mm -hmm. upgrade whatever software or application companies utilize. Now, they don't get the proper tools to set the company straight forward. If you nothing but a bunch of hiccups, I do tech support. When they send me tickets, they're not explaining the detail. And when I try to explain them, this is not what needs to be done because y'all overlooking the process. You want to tell me the process, but I've been battle tested far too many times to know y'all <laughs> will look at a particular point. And then, yeah, so I'm a bit, I turn to the ultra nerd and start breaking down the cards that we them and start teaching them what they need. But I'm tell you, I do that too much. When people come <laughs> with me and I start geeking out, this is Marvin doing. Oh, boy. Yeah. About <laughs> yeah, live page again. So, yeah. But, but that's a good thing. But I mean, yeah, we need, we need people who have seen, we have seen things to speak up and we want that they listen. YouTube channel need to be done because what you're doing. I saw your YouTube channel. I'm like, after that, leave your YouTube channel bad because not only you exposing them, you teaching them, you enlightening them, you're motivating them at the time that you're meant to be done. What Marvin doing is needed. What I'm doing, we're in the streamer market now. Everyone want to go into streaming. You know, streaming for a game, want to teach people and talk about conversation. The setup matter. Mm -hmm. The setup always matter because I see some of the same kind of mistakes that corporation are making. That people are doing their damn self. And they don't really think about the long term event because you test not window level. Me and Mommy, we know not to jump on a big car based on one uh, PC or not name brand. Mm -hmm. Custom made. Yeah, custom made. 
pushing the update on up because they know we will catch on to what's going on. Now, God forbid, you see the picture. Some of the hardware are not cheap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want them to break your cards with a simple update. <laughs> so, as hardware junkie, hardware professional, we finally understood the problem behind this corporation are not trying to learn. Mm -hmm. They're getting people who they think they understand who you can't do. I can't call it a pen, but they, you punch the numbers. Yes, you punch the numbers. Do you check what will, what kind of software you're ordering that you need for your business? You check the minimum requirement on these software, and you check, okay, it is the minimum requirement for this month. What have you add this software and this software and this software? What's the requirement you need for these three then? All in the same machine. Do you even think about that? Yeah. You see what I'm coming from right now? Mm -hmm. I've seen companies do that all the time for 20 years. You... Yeah, I can remember quite for this application. Yeah, but combine them all together. Not just for one alone and say it's the same. No, it's not the same. That's why you have BSOD happen a lot. My mm -hmm. application cost about BSOD, especially Excel spreadsheet, which is probably known because of all the extra macro and stuff they plug in and put onto it. Mm -hmm. It's on a network share drive and they kind of work on it. <laughs> they pass them in years, there's no fix with it. Now I'm geeking out right now. So Eddie, it's there, it's coming out now. I was I was going to I was going to trigger you and say, did you also set up roaming profiles for people? Was I here that nightmare? <laughs> uh yeah, I'm I'm glad when they they got rid of that roaming profile. It's like <laughs> it's a headache, man. I uh, absolutely yeah, it's a headache. Um, I was the first one. I would tell you that how many times I had I was the guy who time people how long it takes to replace the entire machine. You they have roaming profile, no roaming profile, or this. Marvel would tell you I was the guy who do the testing, the timing. I uh, time myself, and I know that I have a opinion of what part they have, what model they have. If I'm going by your model and the spec, that's crazy. I tell you, I pay attention to every small details. Uh, the, and you are cyber security expert engineer, so you have to pay attention to every small detail. And when you mm -hmm. explain things to people, they have to listen. They yeah. have to. If they don't listen, they're going to make a multi-million dollar mistake. Whereby they got no choice to bend on their knees and say, please save us. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a meme that was going out when you see a bunch of text or praying to the server, please do not crash. I, I saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it's related to. Yeah. All right. Well, now, Brian, I'm trying to No, what I'm trying to put is this. I'm glad you mentioned about social media. You didn't go to the at the living resume, add to your LinkedIn profile, but. but uh, we speak about these things and what we do and our experience. I, I talk about terminology, technique, uh, formulas. It, it played in hand. So when people looking for a professional who can actually do the job and they had a YouTube channel, the first thing they want to look at is your video. You mm -hmm. working on it. You were working on it. And they see that you you know exactly what you're talking about and you can articulate yourself and break it down to the mm -hmm. science. It will force companies to start to, to rethink things now. Who am I hiring? Why I have yeah. all these problems? Why I'm wasting so much money when these people kind of come in and save me a whole lot more money? Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's the thing because you look at the tech YouTuber I mentioned before, they've been doing it for, for a couple of years now. Corporation now listen to them. I'm on LP, Limus Tech, uh, Mr. Who's the Boss, uh, Game and Nexus, Day mm -hmm. 2 Cent. Corporation listen to them and make the actually chain needed to have better products. If the yeah. guy telling your phone is not done properly, you have an FID issue and they realize they turn the truth and they call them into their corporate office 
or the manufacturing plant. This is how we do our testing is so that they understand the technology. You will be needed sooner or later. I'm going to start seeing you as who know as Cisco or who know whatever company and they have to ask you what your expert opinion is trying to X, Y, and Z. He will start out to you because of that. But you know what? You showcase what you want and what you fully understand. The thing will apply to Marvel. When Marvel continues to do what he's doing and people have to call him over, they know it. We need your opinion because you seem like you know that what you're talking about. It's going to happen. I think IT professionals need to take social media in a different limelight and say, you know what? Maybe I can add it and apply that to my resume what I have on LinkedIn. And they feel like a teaching moment. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm articulating. Here's what you can do, what you cannot do. These are the steps I apply to fix certain issues. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so all right, man. All right. That's, that's what, that's what we set up this podcast for. We could talk to all the nerds and see what it is about. So, so Howard, um, being in the IT field or what kind of hobbies have you picked up? Like what, what do you do to kind of just like de-stress from everything? Uh, when I'm not doing any IT work. I play a lot of video games. I think that's a cliche for a lot of people. But uh, you can find me. I play video games that most people don't uh, play around here. I play FIFA. So I've played yeah. FIFA from 2012 up to the latest 2022. I have a group of friends. On Fridays, you can see. We are very loud, by the way. On Fridays, we started with Xbox Party and we have nature right. and it's, it's really fun. Uh, other than that, I, I do home automation. So my home, I have uh, irrigation systems, cameras, nice. and um, thermostats that I try to combine and put in one central place and make my home better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really fun stuff to be able to just do home automation. It's really not cyber security work. Yeah. I think that I can what I make happen just Nice, nice. There, there's a home automation group that I follow on Facebook. Um, a lot of I, I jump in there from time to time to see what's new. It's a lot of good stuff, man. Um, I like home automation. I like coming home and telling my Alexa turn on my lights. That's that's one of the that's one of the the geeky stuff about tech. It's like mm-hmm. you get things like that. So, yeah. um, so let's talk about. Um, so I see here one of your inspirations for shows is Mr. Robot. Now, I'm not going to bash Mr. Robot. I know you like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, what, what was it about that show that, that got you interested in it? They hired a cybersecurity expert. Okay. I, re- I read about the background of this show. They had, uh, what is his name? Is it Rob Fuller? Some, a very uh, well-known cybersecurity expert to inform them on inspiration on some of the uh, attacks. So yeah. when I watch some of their screens, they actually are running and say, made us point to actually do things. And I like it mostly because it's, while it's you know, a fictitious show, at least it's inspired by the real IT. They don't trivialize cyber, cyber attacks. Yes. They actually um, show that, you know, there's these big corporations out there that they have very intense and things like that. And also, they try to to represent cybersecurity in the in a, in a better light than you know the other things that I've seen. Yeah. In addition yeah. to that, I I also think that it speaks to 
the struggles that people who work in cybersecurity might have. You you might see me just show up to work as a cybersecurity engineer doing good work, but you don't know the demons that I'm fighting at home or in my personal life. And that's why I think, at least as a show for entertainment, it's kind of worth watching for somebody who might not be familiar with cybersecurity. Uh-huh. It is those components. Nice. Okay. All right. Um, no, it's just when, yeah. Uh, swordfish. Oh yeah. A, a lot of people bring up swordfish as their favorite movie. Though, as far as like, I'm not, I'm not sure though. Uh, I, I don't remember. I've watched it, but I'm, I think I confused it with a couple of the movies that I've watched. So I can't, uh, think with it. But now that you mentioned it, I probably have it on my list in the coming weeks. Because I do watch a movie at least every other week. I like movies. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because there's not too many hacking movies out there. It's like about, we count under two hands about, I don't know, about four to seven hacking movies. Yeah, they, there's a whole list that I have on my computer that I've been going to. The problem is when you show up thinking it's a hacking movie, then you realize it's only two minutes where maybe an attempted hack happens. The rest is just a lot of fluff. And with the screen that they show, just a Linux terminal running, you know, listing processes, then you're like, okay, really? What is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I kind of just stay away from, like, you know, IT shows or anything related because they just never get it right, you know? Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. they just never get it right. Um, you be technical. That's the problem with IT uh, folks is if you're going to show up with technical content, they expect you to be technically correct. No, yeah, no, Marvin, you don't have to say whether you, you could be the tough critic and say, you know what? Because now I need to pull out all the movies who trying to project IT and call them out. That's not how IT looks. Don't let the people deceive you because sometimes we need to be the tough critic that we are and call people out because I'm seeing that theory. They have military experts calling out military action movie and ask them if it's legit or not legit. And I'm seeing that type of theory going on. They're acting certain military professional. Mm -hmm. You're not in the film? This is make believe. We don't do this in the field. But no, yeah, this is this is the joke. This is how this is the protocol. No, this is not the protocol. This is the makeup. That's when you, you have people in certain field that's called people out. This is not what we do. This is what we do. So what's wrong? We being tech experts, we call out these so-called movies that try to make us look like this is what we are. <laughs> yes. Maybe we should have a series that we start calling out all the IT movie and start pointing out director screwed up here. You mess up on this part. You need to do better the next time. Maybe that's not making it more realistic, more interesting. Because let's be honest, sometimes some I someone has some IT set up, they make it look bad. Mm -hmm. Well, especially hacking. Hacking is usually portrayed as hackers have have to be these people with mental health or they don't have social skills, they can't hold a conversation. They're always stuck in the basement. It's it always like they don't portray a normal person that you can meet on the street and just talk to and mm -hmm. say that's a hacker. Yeah. They people when you say you're a hacker, they envision a specific type of person in their heads and they don't realize that they're hackers who are just, you know, women who who probably just look normal. Just like you meet them in the street, you probably think they work somewhere else. You know, never know yeah. inside the street. Oh, okay. Look like us. I don't think I would there's ever been a portrayal of a hacker who looks like us anyway. So when people hear that you work in cybersecurity and you look like us, they're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. They don't meet one. 
Yeah, I, I think it's just one of the the stigma is just when you come across an IT professional or a hacker, you automatically have this image of what they should look like. But exactly. again, the 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 industry is so big that you can be with a you can be a hacker who wear you know you're a female that wear heels and you wear the most designer, but you go back to your home to your home and you've got you know you're hacking 24 7 so the image of an it professional hacker is just something of yesteryear so def definitely a lot of different boxes so um like you, you don't look like an it guy or whatever no it it work out too so it, it's like <laughs> but for it person who yeah who's running marathons and things wait a second huh yeah, yeah, and you're running marathons and you're doing workouts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, my with that, I'm a big guy, but people to make fun of me say, How are you an IT guy? You look like you beat up people, no? Nah, <laughs> and there was one guy bigger than us, and looking at you, be a he's like a orchard, he's like what six foot four, six foot eight, big guy, army, army military guy, or he's mm. like a teddy bear. But if you tell that guy the IT professor, you like. Are you sure it's IT or he just the it guy who beat up you like? <laughs> no, but you would see his hand. You would think like how he able to uh -huh. yeah. Like the Bad Boy 2 movie. They had a guy who was very tall. He they he did a geeky role and he had to squat. Or his hand his knee surpassed his head and you like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I had to laugh I'm like, why did I get the toilet guy to be the geek? And having to what <laughs> His knees up in the air, past his head, and he was going to, like, come on, that doesn't look like. Exactly. <laughs> but the portrayal of us as professional is becoming more comical now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that needs to change because some of these movies, some of these TV shows, some of these series, the guy that will put the portrayal, the IT guy, you just have to look with like, oh, we're never going to stop making We're all not weirdos. But that, that, that's why um, if, if with your series on YouTube and people... The thing is, once um, you know, once you have a series that is consistent and people know your style, you have regulars, and some of those people we have never seen, you know, people like us talking on the regular about IT, and obviously yeah, yeah. now they show up and they hear the experiences. Like what we're talking about today was going to surprise someone. People were like, really, something that I yeah. actually never thought about. So it's almost like uh the narrative and be, you being on the forefront and having your podcast, your YouTube channel, and just being out there contributing to all the knowledge that people are consuming really helps yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's get into I think one of the hardest questions people like us ever can ever ever dealt with is: Have you ever encountered racism in your in your field? Yeah, you know I'm and, one. Wait, hold on. Before before you answer, so how did you deal with it, and what is it a driving factor for you to to you know be better in your field, be the top cybersecurity engineer? Yeah, um, I think it's inevitable. Especially, I've been in IT almost ten years now, and the one thing that um, I would tell you is the times that I faced racism, it was very apparent. Like, I remember, um, again, it was my help desk days. I answered the phone. And the person on the other end just said, I need to speak to someone else. And I was like, oh, 
wonder why. He said, hey, can I just speak to an American? Mm. You know, I knew I was one of the top performing um, analysts on the team. I knew a lot of solutions and I could have really helped with this person. But for them to say I need to speak to an American uh, really discouraged me. And then, of course, I knew at that point that they didn't want to talk to me, not because I didn't know what I was talking about, but because they just heard my voice over the phone. They didn't see my face. They have never interacted with me. They don't know my day-to-day. They don't know anything about me other than this voice just sounded like I don't belong in America. Mm-hmm. I did uh, speak to my boss. I said, hey, this lady is on the phone. She wants to speak to an American. My boss, lucky enough for me, he stood for me. He said, you're going to help her. Or if she doesn't want to be helped by you, she doesn't get help today. And mm-hmm. she made a big deal out of that. Because she was, you know, one of the high up people in finance, in a, you know, holding a position where if they couldn't do their job, there could be implications. And yeah. the organizational discussions after that, um, I was happy that I was part of the discussions. At the same time, I didn't want, I felt uncomfortable. I didn't want the company coming on this person as an example for yeah. what you know, racism is. Yeah. Was I, in my mind, I kept saying, maybe they couldn't understand me. Maybe my accent is too thick and they just, you know, are struggling to understand me. That's why they were asking for someone else. But at the same time, knowing that they didn't give it a chance to even listen or even like, we didn't spend it. I didn't say answer the phone and they asked to speak to someone else. So that showed me that they really didn't think that I could help or they didn't believe that I was supposed to be the right person. And I think some of that stems from people believing that uh, people like myself came to this country to take high-paying jobs, you know, cybersecurity, high-paying jobs from hardworking Americans. And they are in a job that I'm sitting on right now. An American, even though I've now been an American citizen, could be sitting yeah. on that job. And there are certain people who still hold on to those values. And because of that, I find a lot of motivation in being very good at what I do. So if an employer hires me, I don't want to be the token black employee. I just happen to be the only uh, black person in my team, but I don't want to check a box that says at least we're diverse because we have Howard on the team. I want them to hire me based on my merit. I don't want my boss to feel obligated, say, well, we really need to promote the only black person around because, I mean, he has been here for three years. I want them to promote me because I'm actually contributing and adding value in a way that meets the standards of, say, a lead engineer, a principal engineer, or even a manager. I need exactly. to uh, judge my marriage. And I do, I do that in, for two things. One, out of respect for myself, I never want to feel like I was handed something because of the way I look as a charity or donation. And number two, there's going to be another person who looks like me, maybe sounds like me. I don't want people to think, well, years ago we had one uh, from an African on our team and this is what happened and we want a full experience. I want to make it easier for people who come after me to excel and really be given a fair chance. They might fail, but at least they're not being put in a box like what I experienced with, you know, uh, racism and people just gladly not liking us. So I would say, if anything, I really feed off the fact that there are people out there who, the moment I open my mouth, the moment they see me, 
assume that I'm less than. Yeah. I would like to go the amount of when I show up and I know what I'm talking about. Maybe that will help really open people's minds and realize they are wrong. But at the same time, I also understand that I owe it to myself to be the best I can. And Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's sad that that even in this day and age, it, it's racism is still around. But if you think about it, it's like, you know, it's not against the law to be racist. It's just yeah, people don't understand. Like we're here to contribute, like everybody else. We're here to, you know, keep America safe, like everybody else. Keep America produ- productive. But mm-hmm. it's why why do you have to come with that negative energy and that narrow mindset, you know, if, if somebody doesn't speak proper English, all you have to do is just listen a little bit harder. You'll understand what they're trying to say. So, yeah. To see the black YouTube dream and I brought it issue up. We let that happen because you don't have a lot of black or race that will ah. white or European corporation. You don't have our own too, because when you start having your own, I don't see this type of racism toward to the Spanish community. I don't see the type of racism going to the Asian, nor the Middle East. If you know that the Middle East and AK people from India or Pakistan, they get respected more in the IT field than us. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, because they have their institution, they have their own setup. We need to build our own. If we don't have our own, we'll fight with a core, a uphill battle type of pool. Our own self will be a force to be individual, not a collective no more. They know my love, my good at what you do. They know how you're good at what you do. They know me because I'm good what I do. But you know, as a collective, that we are very well efficient. Now, we talk about Emma from India. They'll look at India as a collective. They got great, prominent text. They can do the job. They believe them as a collective, not as an individual. But for us, we have to pull our work based on as an individual. Not at the collect until we have rival company that can compete with ACL, that can compete with influences, that they can bid for contract. And we have people like us working on higher tier level positions. Yeah, but that change is not going to change. I've been on the multiple platform trying to school people, but I've been observing the unit for 20 years in the field. I've been in the country for almost, almost 40 years, but not there yet. I'm 43. But what I was telling Marvin this thing, I told Marvin before in person and when we were talking back and forth, what I was doing in multiple places, there's a, there's, a, there's like a, a ranking system based on ethnic group who get the respect in certain fields. Now, since 2009, it has been put out there to say Nigeria are the most educated community in the United States because they see it attract work because most Nigerians can't get double degree or triple degree because of what their parents hooked them to because they knew we had to put our work. Mm-hmm. How are from Zimbabwe? What if more people from Zimbabwe do the same as they had that Joe were doing? Now, they'll be the next higher ethnic group that puts in the high level of education. Even though we're doing that, we're doing that into two. But at the end of the day, they all look at us black. Then I go look at where country we come from. No, oh, yeah. We, we, yeah. Yeah. This is why, I, besides talking tech, when I be on certain other panel, we talk about other situations that do affect us as tech, I have to point out the obvious. Let's stop the nonsense. You will be talking about the same issue for year in, year out for the next couple of years. What are you planning to do? At the tech, our job is to find solutions. So I'm asking you in the most technical way, 
what future can we implement to make this thing start it? Because people like who it is and run them out and complain. I'm not here to complain. I'm here to build. Yeah. We can make the build power. Bobby here mm-hmm. to build. We understand what is needed. Find like minded people to come together and do something big. I told Marvin, if we can grow this to a channel, we have a team. I'm about there, we have a team. Lima Tech have a real big team. Gamanex, both Lima Tech and Gamanex got their building. They're going. Jin mm-hmm. Zach, California. If it becomes a full time, he have a studio we'll soon because he had to get a building soon later. If we don't build our own, then what's going to happen now? We still have to continue to fight and continue to prove time after time after time again. Yeah. I hope that they're trying to grow big, bro. One day you'll be hopeful in it with Marvin. I might be somewhere interviewing somebody, or I might have come over here. Then we start to collaborate, start to build something bigger. Then start to branch out. Because when I mentioned Africa, how we know this, they're trying to build a Silicon Valley in Nigeria. But I'm kind of shocked they do it over $1 over $1 billion for the life on that. Quick. That was too, too soon, too quick. The Wanda burned their own too. So Africa is not the fastest. Factor growth economy in the in the continent whereby besides Nigeria, you have Kenya, you have the Dabo, you have other countries that's now trying to rise up. Yes. When they do rise up, what's next? Mm. You know, yeah, I know very well in Africa. They need tools. Exactly. And you know, I, I, I really like what um at least here in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul area, the black community um does not I mean I know I know we have said, you know, Africans and the black community here in the Twin Cities and Minneapolis and St. Paul is very, very pro each other. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I was still in college, I used to come to a summit for black men once a year. And it's mostly African-American men. And I was a very naive African. I just, you know, I grew up in a homogeneous society. I never felt like I was being discriminated. And showing up to the summit where people were saying, okay, we need to connect with each other. We need to give each other connections because what happens is if you don't have connections, you might be good at what you do. But if you don't know people, it might take you longer to get to where you want compared to somebody who knows people. And since we are now at a point where we are, you know, re- realizing what we need this, uh, it was called a Kente Summit. I haven't attended in a couple of years, but it happens every single year at a local university here for 100% black men. They just show up. There's also um, blacks in tech. Um, there's a chapter here where members meet every week. Um, people have talks just to share experiences like what we're talking about here. Like, okay, how do we, in a tactical way, non-disruptive way, address these issues? Because it's easy to go and say, I'm really upset at how things are being done. Then disrupt the company and the procedures. Or then show up and communicate in a way where the point is still heard but at the same time provide some uh, direction and still maintain our dignity and integrity so that we are not reactionary or fall into the stereotype of, oh, you're an angry black man. Of course, you're, you're mad. It's hard to have a discussion with you. But at the same time, uh, the communities I've seen so far are really great, especially uh, both in tech and just in, in general. People, especially the African-American community in the United States in various cities, has come up with a lot of tools and um, solutions to and communities to actually address some of these. And the one thing that I found out is that I underutilize them. I don't contribute enough. And if people used what we already have and also contributed in a meaningful way to those initiatives, we will we'll make a lot of <clears throat> excuse me. We'll make a lot of progress. And also with your um this what 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 you are doing with the podcast 
it's a different type of type of exposure, right? Yeah, you are you're bringing a very very unique tool that is not out there where you're giving a platform for people to speak about their experiences, share their experiences, learn from each other, but also inspire future generations when they see both of you having been in the industry for 20 years. They're like, so they actually spent 20 years in IT and he's still doing hardware. He's actually still geeking over hardware stuff after all those years. You know, it, another person is like, oh, I really like that stuff. And I think that's very important. It's, as long as people like myself take what you're doing and really value it and also contribute, but also uh, help spread the word and participate in any meaningful way. I think that's very helpful for us. And that's why I'm very grateful that you even, uh, you know, called me to come here. Like, you know, like one guy on YouTube too, he tell me to end on Daniel. He's another black mm-hmm. YouTuber who also has also engineer, oh. but he does stuff, man, me and it. He said something that's very specific that it's also his fault. Do not mm-hmm. be a jack or two. Mm-hmm. Be an expert just for that and move from here. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned that because I thought I had to cut to myself. Should I be a jack of all trade or just be good at something and build from that? Because you may find people go, you know, you can Exactly. Like I can tell, like both of you, you do have the business mindset and you also have the professional experience to back it up. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. I told Marvin before the uh, coach that started, I was like, hey, if I ever mentioned the MSP world, um, in the future, I'll probably want to come back and tap you on the see in that world. <laughs> exactly. I thought I got in the world years ago, but the thing is, the problem is kind of better come ground about word of mouth in New York City. It's it's more than a talent because it depends on what neighborhood you are in. If you're in the right neighborhood, you can succeed. But when you're in the wrong neighborhood and people don't want to pay for the service, what I want people to go to Best Buy and pay three times what you offer, it's not to throw weird. Maybe because I don't have nothing to show what I can really do. So like Marvin said, the YouTube is a great tool to showcase what you can exactly. you have done and then some. The LinkedIn profile, I'll be telling people, make sure your LinkedIn profile mirror your resume. Exactly. I, I know I know a few people who have succeeded. I, I've, actually, I've been lucky to talk to a few. Um, I don't know if you've seen, uh, there's a gentleman called Willie Howe. Really, how? Yeah, just really. Then how? H O W E. Really, how runs in MS MSP. Another one is Lawrence Systems. Lawrence Systems is very successful, actually. Further Lawrence Systems, yes. Lawrence Systems, and the one thing that I saw, I've been following them is not only do they showcase like if there's an update to the hardware that they are passionate about, like ubiquity or unified devices, they will go and test the hardware and show the customers, hey. I, I tried it in my lab environment. This is what it looks like. Then uh, they generate a lot of leads. It's like a lead generation tool, but also it's a way to build a community. So people like myself, I follow them all. The, I've been following them for the past three, four years, even since I was a sysadmin. If I ever were in a lot of trouble and I need to hire an MSP, I'll be yeah. calling all the system because I know they've been talking about Unify for five years straight in a row. They know Unify in and out because they've been deploying it to their customers. And they've been sharing some of these stories as well. And that's why I think that. Yeah, I, I follow I follow Lauren Systems. Um is because of him that I'm into um the um the PFSense firewall. I think it's a dope oh. firewall. Yeah, I use it. Um so he's really good. 
but you know, again, it's like when Mooney and Alaya talks about we're we're coming from the corporate side, so we've seen this. I I like his stuff. I do follow him, you know, but again, then we yeah, yeah. So which is you know, he's in he's in my field also. He's I don't I don't really look at him as a competitor because we're I'm trying to move businesses into the cloud. He's trying to keep on premise solution, which is cool. That's nothing wrong with that. But in in the long run, you know, we kind of see who actually wins the race or whatever. But I I like Lawrence. I like what he does. Um, I got the PSN's firewall because of him. His his videos on it. So yeah, it's he's dope. Yeah. Marvin said we from the professional platform. We come from the corporate realm. We understand what the corporate realm is utilizing to protect their business. Now these guys who never have that deep into the corporate realm are doing things what they know and fully understand. Now we did have a theory about small business, what is best for customer easy or not. But I also work it out the modern. It always falls down to the budget, what they kind of some people mm-hmm. are afford to spend money on the cloud from the afford they have it on the premises, but I fully grab I fully understand. But at the same token, when coming in we talk about in a country that have a failing infrastructure, that will leave the massive question mark right above your head. Mm-hmm. Some choice you choose. When they need to upgrade a failing infrastructure, will you be affected by it or not? Where your choice that you made will save you a lot of headache. Going forward, when they start to upgrade and something happened, or would it not? These are the things that, as professionals, we understand, we see, we observe it, we, under, we know what's going on. It's all about what setup will fit best for every individual, either small, medium, or large corporation. Mm-hmm. So, we want to give that estimate or give them that view, we have to be objective and let them make their choices. Mm-hmm. Because what Marvin said is totally correct. You come to corporate realm, you see way more than people who work on the mom and pop store that had for a while and they start to go through social media. Now, yet you can go through social media and start helping other other coming from more businesses. But people coming for the corporate realm have a much deeper insight and can let people know what you can try. I told Marvin, I had a chance to do exactly what you were doing, but for my sabotaging. And then every time we were working together at UBS, reputability. They're looking for trying to pick up their London location in Flatbush Avenue, but got water damage. And what I was trying to do is try to get them up and running first before we start throwing out too many different ideas and not familiar with. Mm-hmm. One guy just went behind me and sabotaged him because the person who got me the business was an employee, but I had to work on a hump machine as well in the past. But she trusted me for this. If I had more people on the line, let's say I'll call mom and the other guy, maybe I could kill that business at that time. I wish I did. Because we're really going on the fashion boys with the company at that time when we worked together. Yeah, in New York City. And the it, it's like you said, Howard, collaborating with the right people to build something up. Oh, exactly. It's hard now as we are, are black people to find the right person who have the same mindset because not everybody thinks the same. Our fields are popular with people who are only there for the money but not there for the impact. When we have the impact, the money will come anyway, but it will come in more. It was the effect. Because you know why? You build a trust, you build a reliability, you build a reputation. You know what? You had to work with people. They know what the hell they offer, they know what the hell they're doing. They got to say about all these tech YouTubers that they're able to go to these big corporations, manufacturing plants, and see how things get done. 
because since they have been objective on their stuff and their product and their equipment to the point where they had to take their word for it. So they didn't do that, but they had to basically do that. I told Marvin, if we roll the channel, we get to the corner, we have more space to do more testing. I love to test the hardware based on some setup. You like to test on the applicant, I do it together. The other tech YouTubers are doing the same exact thing. They like they build a reputation where they're highly trusted and the word matter. Howard, you will be something big very soon than, than you think. People will have to come to you and take your expert opinion because you stalking on your YouTube channel. There's no excuse. They'll say, you know what? He knows what he's talking about. We've seen it in video. He's on point. He knows what that needs to be done. So guess what? You might have to pick up a how to protect our company and our business and our finance. Right? He same applied to Marvin. The same exact way. This is why we're doing this channel for that specific reason. But something much bigger than what it is. Mm-hmm. You want to make money, but it's something long lasting. I'm not trying here to quickly build it just to make fast. I'm not here for the fast. I'm here for longevity. So that yeah. I'm talking about starting to my son and I'll start studying. I want him to join me. Okay, he'll be my helper in my channel. But <laughs> who knows? You might do the same thing with your children. I know my don't have kids about on with on that. first, man. Kids are expensive. Oh yeah. But you get what I'm talking Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I take very serious. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm hoping for future co- collaboration down the line whereby we all work together. We add another one coming in and we're doing stuff to film about Oh, God bless us. We have a big studio when we start working together. We start doing more content, showing what we can do, showing stuff that we observe and try to do the test ourselves and see what if you'd have done it this way. Would it have saved money this way? What if we have done it that way? It would be a new simulation. Let people see for themselves and from there that they know what. These are the real experts that not only they're in the field, but they're also showcasing their talent and they're teaching things that never been taught in classes. Oh yeah, that, I, I like the, the, but you know, it's not something that you can take from a college university. It's real life, real simulations, things that, you know, are up to date, not just like yeah. legacy stuff. Yeah. So uh, we're going we're gonna to close out after these two questions. So tell me about an iconic moment in your, in your work ex- history. And tell me about the most humblest, humbling experience you've 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 uh, experienced in in your work history. Yeah, for me uh, right now, I would say the most iconic is passing the OSCP exam. Um, it's a twenty-four hour hands-on exam. Um, I found that I mean I have a lot of IT certifications, but that one was the most fulfilling uh, certification because it was a multiple choice. I couldn't guess. I had to really find a way to break into systems and also I had to write a very professional report to submit for, for grading. And I think that's the moment when I realized that maybe actually I know some stuff was, I, you know, I always had this idea, maybe I'm just, you know, still learning, maybe I'm, I'm just, you know, in the infancy of my career, but being able to pull that exam off and also getting the recognition from my peers at work and everyone saying, hey, if you pass that certification, you know a thing or two, and you can actually uh, speak with confidence on certain things. That was uh, really uh, helpful. The most humbling experience also has been just moving into cybersecurity uh, and working with people who have been in, in, the, in the industry for a while. One thing that I really learned is that, which is what something that I hold dear to, is 
people who have been in the industry for a long time, they've seen things, they've experienced things. And when you are finding a team and you're working with people who have worked for a long time, some of them are very humble. You never know that they know a lot of things. And, you know, younger people like ourselves who might show up with egos thinking, hey, I know things too. But working with people with a lot of experience is very humbling. You realize that you have a long way to learn. You also learn that it's not a race. You just have to be consistent in your learning as long as you don't stagnate and you are always motivated to learn. With time, things get better and you know things. So I've been empowered by working with very experienced people, learning from them, listening from them, and showing them what I know. I was so knowing that with a lot of experience and time in the industry, that the switch industry, people know things and there's something to be said about that, which is very nice for people who are new to any industry. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I always tell my mentees that, you know, when you show up to work, you might know certain things that people don't know, but if you can be, be very humble and exercise a lot of humility in knowing that people that have been in that company have a large to teach you that you might not know, even though you might know one or two newer technologies or uh, things that they might not be exposed to. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, so we're going to allow you got any questions or you good? They told me a fan page of the game. That's like a, a, I mean, like not a flat though. At a, at a level that open your eyes to what you tend to do with the concussion. But you need to understand work, hard work, and consistency really fail in hell. Yeah. When you mentioned working with people who have a lot of experience, who are very humble, Bob and I would tell you, yeah, we have one of the wizards at UBS. Who mm-hmm. graduated at that peak with a heart that literally died. That's like throughout the beating. You find a way to not only take apart the hard drive, got it up and running and able to pack the data. Like you don't see that on an everyday thing. You know, I do you know, like how will you do such a thing? You make a note so I think you no know I'm gonna be around this guy. Yeah. To get brain. I mean for all this dollars because I have walked away from not getting more than enough. Because when you find people like that, not only motivate you, it inspire you. And you keep you on your toes. I remember Mark would tell you, he picked on me all a lot. I guy, maybe let me get bro. He yeah. always loved to pick on me. He he's a Latino, but he did it for a good reason because he thought that I would kind of catch up with himself. Oh, they going to keep up with me. I'm going to pick on you. And every time he pick on me, Marvel would be laughing. Other people would be laughing. He would be testing me. And I try to get on my head. He was like, man, you too slow. I'm like, but, 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 but. No, no, not, not fast enough. Not, I'm like, okay, whatever. Whatever. I will get better. But what he does, he helped me to be a better tech mm-hmm. in the long run. Because what he was doing, you saw that I want to learn. When you find people who have way more experience than you, and you under them, and you try to learn everything. Now, yeah. on this show, they show you the respect. They see the hunger in you. They know what? I want to have you under my way. I want to make sure you're a better tech than you are before. Exactly. So that when I'm not around, mm-hmm. you take over my spot, and you're about to supersede me, I want them to know that I taught you, and I trained to make you better. Yes. And that is needed. Because you're right, there's some people who don't have much experience. They come around looking like, and me and Mom, we didn't have that funny thing. We just look at them, we try to make it a bet. How long would it take for him to crash? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then they said, I would say, baby, I give him three months. Mom, I give him three months. Who like, give him one month. Do you, you will put the pressure on it. Ah, let's, let's give him a little leeway. I said, let's give him three months. I want three months time ago when he realized how bad it is that he will bring himself down to earth. That accent, but that accent like he knows everything. Well, nobody knows everything. No. 
No. That's the no. We see this environment time and time. When you had the best team where everybody know how to work well with each other, you don't have to say much. You get that eye thing that everybody pick up what to do and just make the job easy and more fun to be around. He's yeah. mom, I mean, we're all trying to look for that right environment where you feel comfortable. You don't have to be lazy, but it keeps on your P's and Q's and you're always learning new things as you go. Sometimes you gotta do, you gotta be a little competitive. Sometimes, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, Marvel, no, I'm, 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 I'm more than competitive. I test my team. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with competition, man. Exactly. I make sure my team with the best team, and my would tell you, every time my team be winning the competition, and I be asking how I, that's, don't worry about what I do. Let's <laughs> go. I'll focus on mine. But I make sure my team are effective and efficient. That is two key factors. One, you have to be effective. One, you have to be efficient. If you're not efficient, if you don't think fast enough, beat it will be a problem. Because we in the field, though, we have to be fast on our beat. There's no time to wait. Every time, every minute, every second, it's for the company money. And then looking at you and see how quick you resolve the problem quickly and keep it up and run. You ain't never superior expert, you know that very well. Take that sort of kid that take a 24 hour test. At the first time me hearing that, I'm like, damn, how much Starbucks do you drink? It's my red book we're taking in. Like, you have to be on red book. Yeah. You must be, yeah. You see? Yeah. That's not a joke. Their position, people have to stay 12 hours straight, monitor the system. When something happens, you have to be on your P's on cue. So we get that, we understand that, but it all leads to the burnout part. Mm-hmm. We, we did a series about, and we had a nurse, I call her a big sister, her name is Candy, and she did well with the nurse, and she got on me bad because Marvin and my other guy, Peter, blew my spot. They what I was doing was not the right thing to do, but I'm a workhorse. What do you to do? I believe in putting my best foot forward, sometimes go too far, but. We learn how to stay, learn how to be effective and efficient, not kill ourselves too much, but do things in a way that it's less stressful, but more effective and efficient as well. Some yeah. I should have experience, but that experience not only teach you, you can take that experience and pass it on to the next generation, hoping that they don't have to go through what we have to go through. Mm. Yep. But they can learn from them. We, when it comes to training people, that's easy. I don't know why, but it's easy. Mama would tell you, oh, you need to go back on training this group. I was like, train who? They got three leads that yeah, but you know, they need you. What, what? I'm not that special. Oh, you know, they know you go down. Mom would tell me, he called my phone and blow my phone to what time over? We're like, I know you don't like that, Alaya, but um, you might have to go back. Go back where? <laughs> I thought everybody would stay away with me, but mother understand my 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 spirit and my level. She understands I'm needed for a particular position to make sure this is done properly. And I respect him for that, but you know why? He knows who to call or who not to call. No, I'm, not, I'm trying to dodge all the phone calls just for the sake of you leave me alone. Let me be in my own little zone. But I get it when people reach out. When they reach out to you, Howard, they say, Howard, we need you. Sometimes I'm in the mood, you be like, no, I'm not in the mood, but they need you because of your experience and your knowledge. Mama mm-hmm. get blown up. I can tell mama get blown up in his company. He don't like to use knowledge sometimes. He had a look whereby <laughs> I'm done, I'm tired, I want to take yeah. a little break, leave me alone. But they go bug him, they might, they might bribe him. Extra cash here, man. I'll buy you dinner, dinner on me. And you know, mommy, people <laughs> like, I'm not that cheap, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Because they had that respect of your experience and your expertise. We need more of us out there so that not only we take this knowledge and experience we have and come back to the next generation, but not only they can be better, we better technicians. Exactly. Leaving, leaving that door open for the next generation, man. So that's what it comes down to. Yes. It's a great conversation. I'm enjoying every every bit of it because it allowed me to see people, people with knowledge and 
you are what you are needed. Bobby, no, I, I, I think I think both of you uh, on the platform that you have um, is definitely needed, especially that you approach the IT career with an objective mind in calling it what it is. I think that accept, I, admitting, admitting that there are areas where people need improvement is important. Because certain podcasts, certain people that we meet out there, they will show up and they will create this perfect rosy world, which is like, hey, everything is good. Let's talk about the happy stuff. You are happy to talk about, you know, the challenges that might, you know, people might have faced or the happy yeah. moments and that uh, objective approach to this is definitely something that I think is going to draw a lot of crowds to come and want to be part of the discussions. And those comment sections as well, you will notice people talking there, uh, asking more questions, wanting to be part of the discussions because you're opening up uh, things that people really feel uncomfortable talking about was it might not result in YouTube monetizing too much, but it yeah. results in people's lives, you know, being saved and people actually getting help and at least people's minds being open if they're on the other side of the same discussions. I'm glad okay. but your channel is more needed. Yeah, because I saw I saw your stuff and I was like, yo, I wanna I wanna interview him and just wanna talk to him. You know, get him get him into our little network of, of people. So Yeah, you know, the funny um I think about a month ago, I spoke to another gentleman who's called Technical Team. Uh, he's another YouTuber. He he does more uh, on automation and infrastructure yeah. stuff. And um, I was part of his um, web series. And one of the things that he, of the people that he also um, included on his like 100,000 sub, 100, subscriber video is the idea of consistency. I think we've mentioned this one earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because one thing that most of my students um, from University of Minnesota or even just from YouTube is people want this now. They, it's almost like there's a lack of respect for the craft and how long it takes to get there. And knowing that yeah. as long as you're consistent and you remain focused with a mentor, like we mentioned earlier, someone who you can bounce ideas off, make sure that you're still going in the right path, you'll get better. It might not be tomorrow. But as long as you remain consistent, the worst thing that I, I wish I did once is just jump in and try to learn it all, then get burnt out in a month and never learn it at all. That's what yeah, yeah. Channels and also just platforms like yours and uh, my channel and everybody else give people a consistent dose of knowledge every week or every month. That way we keep growing. Which is yeah. All right, Howard, it was a pleasure interviewing you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, definitely, um, we're going to collaborate, do some work together. And our email will... Yeah. Thank, thank you very much, both of you. And I'm really looking to a platform uh, growing. And if there's anything I can do to be part of the discussions, was, I think what you are doing is awesome. And I'm definitely going to be... No, it was a pleasure having you, man. Thank you. Definitely keep up the good work. Keep going after those trolls on uh, Twitter. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I see we've got... You need a Yeah, actually, I, I was going to say, um, once in a while, um, I, I don't have a big YouTube channel. There's, what, 32,000 people on my, my channel. 
But uh, one of these series that I might have is I really, if possible, 